exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. BM East Lansing. You think the Pistons are playoff bound? That last play by the Giants totally gave the rest. This MSU team deserves to be in a BCS game. still and always will be hockey time. Fire Leland. You can't hit in this league. You got it. I'm Alex Shargan, alongside me, David DeFever. Welcome back. NHL, welcome back. NFL playoffs, close games, MSU basketball, and more on. This is the Spartan Sports Wrap. And welcome to the show. Again, I'm Alex Shark, David DeFever to my left. Again, you're listening to 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. You can also stream us online at impact 89 fm Dot org. Again, that's impact89fm.org. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap. If it is your first time tuning in, let me explain to you a little bit, as we do every show, how the show set up. We get callers all over from MSU, East Lansing residents, Lansing residents, all the way out west to San Jose State and even Miami, Florida. We are listening all over the country on the Sports Wrap, and we appreciate those who do support. Every show, how we started off each week is we usually have a question of the week, and we call it our annual Score of the Week. Score of the Week brought to you by Pita Pit this week. Pita Pit is a definitely a big part of that question of the week answer. And how it works is each week David and I ask a question, and if you know the answer, you can call 517-432-3893, and you can also tweet at 89FM Sports Rap what you think the answer is. And if you get the question correct, you have a chance to win a gift certificate courtesy of Pita Pit. For more information, you can go online at PitaPitUSA.com. The Impact would like to thank Pita Pit for their continued support and remind you all listening that you can win once a week. So if you know the answer this week, the question that you will need to answer for Pita Pit Bucks, David, Pita Pit Bucks, is this. What is the hometown of incoming quarterback recruit Damian Terry. What is the hometown of Damian Terry? Coming in next year, expected to be competing with Andrew Maxwell and Connor Cook. If you know the answer to that question, you need to tweet at 89FM Sports Rap, or you can also call in 517-432-3893. So with our score of the week, we also have the Chad Ocho Zero segment, and it's a very good week to celebrate, David, because this week... Chad Johnson has stayed out of the media. If you were just tuning in last week, Chad Johnson was suing two websites for illegally posting a sex tape about him. The tape went up immediately, and then it went down right away. And then a lawsuit followed. FBI has been on this. Chad going right to them. He admitted it to the FBI. It was him. All these reports coming out on TMZ and more. Uh, in, in past weeks, he had a domestic violence case. This guy has just been all over restraining orders, Twitter wars. It's just amazing to follow. So we will continue with Chad Johnson as the year goes around, and we'll see. David, do you think this guy's coming back to the NFL or not? I honestly don't think that anyone's going to give him a look. Uh, you know, I understand why they wouldn't give him a look, but at the same time, you know, this is Chad Johnson. This is once three years ago a receiver who put up 1,000 yards a year. But yeah. with that said, you know what? I do see the other side of it as well, that Chad Johnson definitely has some issues behind his back. So, But once again, if you know the answer to that question, you know how to call in, you know how to tweet, you definitely want to do that for some PETA bucks. Lineup for today, in about five minutes, we're going to be talking NHL hockey. Red Wings, The Detroit Red Wings returning, potentially high up in the division. Maybe not if we talk to David and maybe for some callers as well. Players on defense, projections, who's going to step in from Lidstrom, what's going to happen with that front with that front line, and, and how about the pressure off the boards? We'll see what happens. All that and more at 7-10. 7-20, CCHA hockey and MSU hockey. MSU losing to a close Notre Dame team, which is the number two ranked team in the whole country coming into that game. That was two days ago at Mon Ice Arena. And hopefully... You know, this team can pull something out, start scoring some goals, and hopefully we'll turn it around. We'll get to all that and more at 7.20. Spartan football, going off more of the departures of Le'Veon Bell, Deion Sims, and Golson. Who in particular is going to fill in for these guys? Who is going to step up? Who is going to bring back that Will Golston physical atmosphere, ramaging the line, stuffing it up the sides and middle that was just unbeatable for any Big Ten team? All that and more at 7.25. 735, Spartan basketball, 
Brandon Dawson with a with a huge scare. Uh oh, David, did you see that fall? And uh, thoughts on that, real quick? Yeah, his knee just completely gave out on him. You know, coming off the injury, it's it's tough for Spartan fans to see him go down. But luckily, he was able to you know rest it up and get back in the game later on. Absolutely, and along with Dawson's big scare, Nixon Payne finally coming together. We'll get to all that and more at seven thirty five, seven forty five. NFL playoffs and emotional Ray Lewis after he came up on top of that game. What is his legacy with the NFL future of the, the Baltimore Ravens team in the playoffs? We'll get to all that. 750 Detroit Pistons. They were hot. They were not for a minute or two. Week after week, this team is just inconsistent, and we just don't understand right now what's going on for the front lines. It mixes up every game. Sometimes Drummond will get a lot more playing time. Sometimes you'll have... You know, Will Bynum get in there and drop 20 a game? That's kind of unexpected. So many different guys coming up and stepping up for this team, but who is going to be the centerfold? We'll get to that at 750. And, of course, if it is your first time tuning in, we do have our annual Goon of the Week. And how it works is each week, David and I ask the question at the Sports Wrap. Uh, actually, no, th- each week we pick a person at the Sports Wrap who was not necessarily the most smart or, or really representing himself in whatever sport he does play in. We'll get to that goon of the week and more at 7.58, last two minutes of the show. But hey, David, I think we should just start it off early while we have it here. Start it off with NHL hockey. This past week, Gary Bettman coming to a pretty big agreement. Uh, you know, it's 48-game season. Detroit Red Wings now having all televised games. Uh, first of all, let's just jump straight to the Red Wing team because I think that's the most exciting thing that most fans, Detroit Red Wing fans, want to hear about. Yeah. Started off on defense. Started off with the departure of Lidstrom. We got into a little bit about it last week, but now we have the lineup in front of us. After the first couple press conferences, we've seen what Babcock has in mind for this year. Uh, thoughts right now on defense projections. Who's going to consistently have a plus-minus that is outstanding in the NHL now that Lidstrom's gone? Uh, I think it's going to go straight to Nicholas Cronwell. I mean, we talked about it last week. He's he's a guy that's been under the wing of Lindstrom for the last couple of years, learning a lot from the most humble guy, what people call him. Um, he's He's got the A this year on his jersey, going to bring a lot of leadership to this team and this, you know, young defensive crew that the Red Wings have. You know, you got Jonathan Erickson, who's still learning his way, Jakob Kindle, along with uh, Brennan Smith, who brought up from the AHL last year. Um, there's a lot on Cronwall's shoulders this year, but I definitely think he's going to lead this defensive crew and, you know, really set the tone, especially because he's one of our more physical guys on the back end. Now, see, that's the thing. Like, I would argue with you about Cronwall leading him because, first of all, this guy's been with the team now for a good, what, five five years, six maybe? He's had some time with the Detroit Red Wing team. Now, <laughs> it, it's very unclear how much of an impact he will contribute now when he's at the peak of his career. I mean, this is the time he spent his time being you know, drafted as a rookie, spent his time with the Griffins. He came up with the wings. He got his feet he got his feet wet back, you know, dating as far back to when we made deep playoff runs with Dotsuk, Zetterberg and Company three years ago. Now, this is a Cronwall that is famous for quote unquote Cronwalling. Knocking guys off the ice, not having any sort of impact, but is this the guy that's going to be a centerfold, David? I'm not so sold on it. Yeah, I I definitely am. I am a huge fan of Cronwell. I mean, his plus-minus throughout the years, he's been positive. He went negative two last year, which isn't bad for a league at the NHL. He's been positive in every season before that. He's produced points on the back end for the D-line for the Detroit Red Wings, which is huge, posting 15 goals and 21 assists last year. I mean, yes, he brings that physical presence to the game, but I think a lot more is going to shift on his shoulders taking that leadership role since Lindstrom is gone. I think now that Lindstrom is out of Detroit, he's got to take that role because if it's not Lindstrom, I mean, if it's not Cronwall, who else is it going to be? I mean, you have Jonathan Erickson, who clearly is not capable of being a first-line defenseman yet. Another, A young Jakob Kindle. You brought in Kyle Quincy, who played for Detroit before and obviously didn't fit, went to Colorado, made yeah, his I way back. I don't know if he didn't fit. You know, there might have been even management concerns, True. you know? Um, Ian White, I mean, he's he's 28, a little bit younger, but, I mean, 
who else besides Cronwall do you have to choose to step up for this defense? Well, and, and that's the thing. And, and my whole basically summary and hypothesis for this Detroit Red Wing team, David, is is that they will be not even close to the pen, penalty kill percentages that they've posted for the last five years. And, and it starts with that being even in the whole genetic makeup in and nickname and trademarks of some of these players. Let's let me just start it with Cronwall. This is a guy that's had his past in Philly. He's had his past on Voracek. You know, Jakob Voracek that that hit back in 2012 in March. He's had his you know his things with uh, you know plenty of different players in the league. Now we've seen it with Pronger. We've seen it with Fanouf. These are big guys that love leaving their mark. Now. Is Cronwall going to develop and mold into one of those fear makers? Is he going to be the guy uh, that that is really on the ice that no one wants to have a part of and and that he is that franchise piece? And like you said, you believe he is. Now, let me ask you this. We've seen Pronger and Fanouf trying to be those pieces. And in some of those cases, those fear makers don't really work out. And the defense not necessarily is top-notch either because they're lacking some of the guys behind Pronger. They're lacking some of those guys behind Fanouf. Now, you've got Cronwall, and does he have the guys behind him? Is Brendan Smith going to be equivalent to having Alistair Murfalski and Chelios all behind each other in the same line? Now, clearly, I don't think we can, you know, argue or put that lineup against, you know, Chelios, Murfalski, all famers, in the league. But that was an elite defense. Yes, that was elite defense, no doubt. Yes, this is a very different defensive crew that we see for this team. But along with Fanouf and Pronger, you know, being those feared guys, I don't think Nicholas Cronwell is feared, so to speak. I think that people definitely recognize when he is on the ice, no doubt, because as we've seen it, you know, four or five times in the past couple years, laid out clean hits, in my opinion, you know, leads shoulder in, usually goes back first, oh, which, is, yeah. which is really unusual. But I think he's got to take more of a leadership role in how to really control and settle things down. Yes, he had Lindstrom last year and Rafalski the year before to kind of like, you know, step up as a younger guy. But now that they're gone, he's definitely got to take this leadership role. And if he doesn't, I don't think there's no one on the back end that can fill that spot. Five one seven four three two three eight nine three. Talking Detroit Red Wings with David Fever, Nicholas Cronwall, and all and more on the Sports Wrap. You can also stream us online, Impact eighty nine FM dot org, for our score of the week for some Peter Pit Bucks, courtesy of Peter Pit. Uh, you can find more information online at PeterPitUSA dot com. If you know the answer to where is the hometown or what is the hometown of quarterback recruit for MSU Damian Terry, if you know the answer. At 89FM Sports Rap is the Twitter handle, and you can also call in on the number I just gave, 517-432-3893. Starting to get a tweet or two in. Uh, we got a couple answers so far, one of them almost there, but the other answer, unfortunately, not right. So we're still waiting for some tweets to get in there about what is the correct answer for quarterback recruit Damian Terry. Now, back to Detroit Red Wings hockey. With Cronwell, yeah, sure that that was that that's definitely an option for this guy. He needs to step in right now. This is his time. He's gonna get the points. Uh, now let's talk about some of the younger guys behind him. I mean, every defenseman has their traits. Yes, they we've do. seen it in years past. Some of these guys are, you know, some of these guys are big checkers. Some of these guys are are firing off from the you know the top of the blue line. These are some guys with all different kinds of skills. Some of them have some a lot more stamina than a lot of the others. Now, what do you see from some of these younger guys, Dave, and what they're going to contribute individually? I think you're definitely going to see a lot more time from these younger guys, and and that's how Babcock has to play them. I mean, obviously, if they're not going to perform or uh, you know run systems how Babcock wants, they're going to be sitting the bench. But like Ian White, obviously he's going to be getting playing time, whether he gets paired with Nicholas Cronwall or Kyle Quincy for second line. I mean, I think it's really up in the air, especially because we just picked up Carlo Kaliakovo from St. Louis. Yeah, now, I, now, about him, you know, that's a guy in itself that he's had a pretty established time at you know St. Louis. He's, he's not, you know, that front-end free agent that we're going to sign. You know, he's not, you know, the Bo Meester that we tried to calling out, out west, but... 
I mean, this is a guy that can consistently put out numbers, yeah? Yeah, he uh, he's definitely a guy that is consistent. He's a guy that's out there for goals. He's not a negative He's not a negative player. He played for the Blues. He went minus twice in his career for the Blues and a couple of times before that with the Maple Leafs. But I think this is a guy that is, you know, molded into this NHL league, knows what it takes to win and knows what it takes to be an effective defenseman. And especially coming into a franchise like the Detroit Red Wings, mm-hmm. for this team, it's about knowing your role. I mean, if you look up front, we don't have a, f- a ton of superstars, but we know how to ut- utilize these players and how they perform in the ice, and that is very effective under the coaching of Mike Babcock. Now, yes, we do have a different lineup for the defense. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what pairings uh, Babcock goes with, but yes, there's a lot of pressure on this defensive crew because a lot of these these guys are younger, Jakob Kindle and uh, Brennan Smith and Erickson, th- these are guys that even they haven't even seen much ice time within the past year. And along with Carlo Ka- Kaliakovo, he hasn't played with Detroit. So how is he going to adapt to the systems and what Detroit throws at him coming up this Saturday in St. Louis against his own team? No, absolutely. Those are some great points. And And even with those defensemen and what they can bring, let's talk now on the offensive side of the puck. Holmstrom going out. Gone. We've got Lidstrom gone on defense, and now Datsuk here for now. You know, that whole Russian contract thing is quite a mess. There are some new additions to the offensive side of the puck. Now, let's start it off. Who on some of these new additions is going to step up and be uh, the playmaker when it comes to needing that additional help off the second lines. Yeah, um, the first guy that honestly jumps out to me is our our new required guy from the Swiss League is Damian Brunner. Uh, played a couple games last year. You know, we really didn't get to see much of him, but it looks like he's going to be in between Zetterberg and Datsuk on the first line. And I'll take note, this guy scored 24 goals and had 36 assists in the Swiss League. A little bit more open ice, you know, an Olympic-sized arena, so he's got to get adjusted to the size of, you know, the NHL and their rink sizes. But I, I honestly think if Franzen can be a consistent goal scorer, which we have yet to see throughout his career. We right. see him go in and out. We see him have five goals into a game and then go 10 or 15 games without a goal. Um, we acquired uh, Michael Samuelson, who used to play for us two years ago, who I think is a great fit for the Detroit Red Wings and what he brings to the offensive end. And another guy that I'm going to take special look into is Valtteri Filippola, um, a guy that, you know, has the presence of Datsuk, has the soft hands, very patient with the puck. Last year, sets record numbers in a Detroit uniform. I mean, almost doubling the points from the previous season. He puts up 66 points with 23 goals. If we can get that consistency off the second line, especially with um, Filpola, I think the wings will be fine. And then you obviously got the speed line, the fourth line, or the third line, whatever you want to say, mm-hmm. if they throw Jordan Rutu with Darren Helm yeah. or Patrick Eves. Now, now Rutu's a guy that I, I think that you and I can agree that's going to be more of that Holmstrom kind of you know hard nose. I'm going to get in front of the goalie yeah. kind of. He's definitely going to establish a net presence, you know, get in front of the goalie, you know, really bother that defense, you know, draw some penalties out front, hopefully – we won't get as many goals called back as we've seen in years past with Holmstrom being outside of the crease. But I think uh, when you look at Darren Helm and Drew Miller and Cleary and Eves and these guys that know their roles on the third and fourth line, I think that we're going to be fine. They're, they're those guys that, you know, they're not out there to score goals. They're not goal scorers. They go out there to bruise the defensemen, use their speed, and if they get opportunities, capitalize as much as they can. I think we saw that last year with a lot of the time Darren Helm just blows by the defense and gets a free breakaway. Yes, he scored on some, and yes, he didn't get on others, but this is a this is a team that from first line to fourth line is effective. And right. yes, the first line may, is way more effective than the fourth, but when you're playing a team and you have to worry about every single line that they put out against you being mm-hmm. a scoring threat, right. it's, it's, it's hard to adapt to in this NHL league. And especially with this 48-game season, it's going to be really crucial when in-conference games come up. You really got to worry line matching and who's out there with who because that can really determine the outcome of certain games. Absolutely. 5174323893 and again, if you know our answer to the question of the week, the question of the week 
you can tweet to at 89 FM Sport Trap or you can call in. And the question this week for Peter Pitt Bucks, if you know the answer, you can win some. What is the hometown of quarterback recruit Damian Terry? If you know the answer, you know where to call and you certainly know where to tweet. Now, back to some of this NHL mess. Let's go right into the division. St. Louis, Columbus. You know, we've got a little bit of Nashville creeping in there. They can win some games. Who in your mind, David, is going to be the divisional champ? What kind of seed? We'll start it off with early season predictions. Are the Red Wings going to make the playoffs at all? That's a huge question within itself because all the Blackhawks buddies out there that go up here to state, all those Chicago kids all around campus keep buzzing about how, oh, this is our year. The Red Wings don't have it anymore. And even my buddies personally back home listening, they they know that this is the, – they, they, they consistently tell me the Red Wings will be awful. And certainly we see it a little differently since they don't watch every single game. They don't keep up. They don't follow this team. They're not constantly reading things and, and, and looking up important pieces of information to know. Agree or disagree? Yeah, I, I totally disagree with your friends back in Chicago. Um, obviously they haven't seen the last 21 years of us making the playoffs, so that clearly puts a mark in their – in their view or their vision, but I think, yes, the Blackhawks are a high competitor in this conference, as well as Nashville. They have solid goaltending in Pekka Rene and, you know, the leadership of Shea Weber on the blue line, but Chicago has a lot of scoring threats, you know, f- like the Wings do, like first and second and third line guys that can put the puck in the net, but yes, this the battle between the Wings and the Blackhawks is, has been around for years, for decades now, I mean, be, being two original six teams. Um, all their games are are fierce and extremely competitive. Um, I see a I see this season being, you know, right down the middle, split series with each other. Um, they usually do have their home ice advantage when they play each other. But another team that we talked about earlier is the St. Louis Blues. I mean, we saw them last year come out of nowhere. They uh, under new coaching of Ken Hitchcock get a second seed in the playoffs. I mean, they have solid goaltending in Brian Elliott and Yaroslav Halak. I mean, when you have a goalie combination that is that good and they both have under a 2.0 goals against average per game, it's tough to beat a team like that. And yes, St. Louis is a young squad, but those young guys that they have up on their offensive lines know how to score goals. And Ken Hitchcock is a more of a defensive coach, so they really know how to buckle down in the D zone, which makes them even harder to beat along with the goaltending that they have. So what are we thinking here in terms of numbers, seeds? I would like- definitely say that the Wings would make the top two in the division. I think it's either going to be. It, I think it's going to be a tight race in between St. Louis, Chicago, and Detroit. Um, Nashville lost a couple guys. They didn't sign some of the free agents they were looking for in the off season. But I think it's going to come down to those three teams at the end, especially with this forty-eight game season. Like a lot of these games are in conference, and those are what is going to determine what kind of playoff spot you get come playoff time. Oh, absolutely. Now let's jump out of the division and look at this from uh, from a Western Conference perspective. I said this when the trade was made. I'm not so sold on Minnesota this year. No. No. That can be debated. That can be, hey, they've got the two best players in the league, debatably. Now, that could be swayed in the way that, you know, L.A. can creep up. You've got your Chicago, Detroit always there. Some veteran players on these teams that have made playoff runs before. Now, what are we feeling in terms of uh, Western Conference champ and maybe Stanley Cup champ? Is yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, Minnesota, kind of what I said last week, they, you know, in the first half of the season, they really got a good jump and were first in the West and first in their conference, but then kind of fell off towards the end of the season. Yes, they did require acquired two elite stars, but who knows how that'll pan out in Minnesota. But a team that is always at the top of the West and has been for the last couple of years, the Vancouver Canucks. You got the two Sedin brothers, you got Kessler, Burroughs, you got a lot of guys up front. Yes, they have some troubles in the playoffs with Roberto Luongo, you know, looking to get him out of the Vancouver market, try to trade him around. Um, They just signed Corey Schneider to a three-year deal, looking to start him between the pipes. Uh, I mean, Vancouver's, they've they've had 100-plus point seasons like the last three or four, so they are definitely... You know, one that from the Northwest Division really scare me. I mean, they have, I would say, the easiest division to take 
with Minnesota, Edmonton, Colorado, and Calgary. Calgary kind of creeps up late, but Edmonton, Colorado, more of younger teams. Sure, and, and let's think of it this way. Sorry to interrupt, sorry to oh, interrupt no, you for a second, but uh, let's think of it this way. When the Tigers acquired the big oldies, Cabrera, Willis, they're looking at this team with Victor. This was, oh, no. This is the team. This is the team. I am scared of this team in the playoffs. This is going to be a lopsided division. Same with the Celtics. When they acquired Garnett, Allen, people said game over. Now, one, this isn't hockey. I get it. This yes. is Those are per- different kind of makeups, the big three model in basketball. You know, when it comes to baseball, having your solid 3-5, sure, get that solid pitching stack. But with hockey, I mean, do you see the similar kind of thing where, you know, in all of those examples, Boston and Detroit both did not win some years, faced some troubles. I think the same might happen to Minnesota this year. I mean, I think they're missing uh, primarily some of those, uh, you know, besides with Luongo and the pipes and the, you know, between the pipes out in Vancouver, shopping him around. But I think that Minnesota, one thing that they may be lacking uh, is maybe a little bit of back-end defensive help. Is that correct? Or? Yeah, I mean, they have a definitely a young team in Minnesota. Um, definitely bringing in Parisi is is huge for the offensive end. I mean, last year, I mean, they do have Martin Havlat. He's getting up there in age, traded over from San Jose. Um, I think it's going to be tough for them. I mean, they were at the top of the division in the first half, but, you know, failed to close out. And that comes from defense being your first objective in the game. You know, kind of had some breakdowns. They do have solid goaltending in Backstrom and Josh Harding. But on the defensive side, they're very young. And acquiring him from Nashville, I think that's going to help. But I don't think it's going to give them a big enough push to make a playoff run. No, that's definitely a fair point. Now, on the other side of it, if you're out there and you're saying, hey, this Minnesota Wild team's for real. Parise, uh, Havlat, don't even worry about the age. Screw the age. This is a team that's going to make a deep run. 517-432-3893. We're just going to jump from NHL now to some CCHA hockey. And that's going to start all the way up top with our MSU Spartan hockey team, and we've seen quite the mess. We've seen zero goals, zero, 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 consistently, David. But they did put zero up against Notre Dame, but held them to one goal. Now that was definitely one crazy game to watch. We saw a lot of different penalties in that game. We've seen this team struggle and fighting for that spot in in that that playoff bird, that frozen four possibility. But for this week, David, just too many questions for this team. Yeah, and it obviously starts on the offensive end. Yes, they didn't post any goals in the first game, but we managed to get four in the second, one being an open netter. But, I mean, you see how these games are so close. 2-1, you know, low-scoring games. And, I mean, it comes to the defensive end. And I'm not saying that MSU has the best defensive, you know, partners and defensive pairings in the in the league. I could rip them apart right now because I have some favorites and I don't have some favorites. But if you look at the goaltending of Jake Hildebrand, a freshman, you know, coming in, gets the start after... You know, after a few losses from the other goaltender, sits between the pipes, has a 96 save percentage, has less than a 1-8 goals against average. And in the eight losses that Jake Hildebrand has, five of those, State has scored zero goals. So, so it tells you where your problem truly is. I mean, you have the goaltending between the pipes. Like, it's there. Like, he's been playing phenomenal. He got... Goaltender, he got goaltender of the week this past week for the CCHA. Right, and and it, and it comes on the offensive end with this team, and I and I honestly don't know what it is. I don't know what their problem is. I don't know why they can't score goals. Yes, they do have a lot of freshmen on this team that do have a lot of potential to be become elite players in the CCHA in the next couple of years. But you were brought to MSU, like now you're playing now. There's a bunch of freshmen that are playing. Like step into your role, do your job. 
and do what you're brought here to do, and that is score goals, be offensive production. And yes, I know a lot of these players are finesse players on the front end, like Matt Barry and DeBlau. Like, there's a lot of potential in both of those guys in the, in the upcoming mm-hmm. years. But they really need to look at themselves and say, like, listen, not every goal is going to come clean. You have to get dirty goals. You have to get in front of the net. You have to get scrums. You got to get the bounces. You got to work for the bounces. And when you work hard out front and in the corners, you're going to get those types of things. And until the MSU offense understands that, they won't be effective. And I think we see that, yeah. you know, in the in, in the first in the first game of series this year against the CCHA, MSU is 0-6 and one. In the second game, they're three and three, which shows that they can finally, you know, they're they put pieces together after the first game, but that's not how it has to happen. They got to be ready and willing to come out and play hard every game, even at home at Mun, in front of your hometown crowd. You can't even post one goal. And yes, I know Notre Dame is a very, very effective team, and they're second in the nation. But you got to get those dirty goals, and you got to find ways to get the puck in the back of the net. Thirty minutes after the hour of seven o'clock. We're going to jump to a quick break here at the Spartan Sports Wrap when we come back a little bit more on CCHA airtime with with the Detroit Red Wings airing all 48 games on the major networks. Spartan football when we come back, Spartan basketball, Detroit Pistons, NFL playoffs, and more. You're listening to 88.9 The Impact. You're listening to Impact Exposure. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Monday nights from 8 till 10, the Asian Invasion brings you the music from the rising sun. We'll bring you the latest pop, indie, rock, and electro from Korea, Japan, and China. Only on Impact 89 FM. An ordinary day, an ordinary family's living room filled with an ordinary bunch of kids, and they were doing nothing, when suddenly... That's a personal foul, an active activity on a sunny day. Coming to the rescue was NFL running back Reggie Bush. Let's play. And play they did. There was running and jumping, and laziness was crushed. Hey kids, don't get a lazy penalty. Go online to smallstep.gov for fun playtime ideas. So you can be a player too. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Attention shoppers, if anyone is missing a rather plump set of love handles, please come to the customer service counter and claim them. The ample love handles were lost in the produce department where their former owner had purchased fruits and veggies to munch on during the big game. Thank you and have a good day. Small step number 81 snack on fruits and veggies it's just one of the many small steps you can take to get healthy learn more at www.smallstep.gov a public service announcement brought to you by the u.s department of health and human services and the ad council now back to impact exposure Welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact 89 FM. I'm Alex Shark. Alongside me, David Fever. We're dissecting the comeback, the final comeback, David, of NHL Detroit Red Wing hockey. Just got done talking a little bit about that. Capping it up now, David, let's just jump to a little bit about the CCHA, what you just said about Michigan State, Notre Dame, close game, not getting any goals. Let's talk about the airtime. Detroit Red Wings now, they're airing all 48 games. All four, all 48, the first 48. Now, with that airtime, CCHA now getting a lot of coverage, a lot of looks. This was projected to be a year-long cancellation. Now, if you're up there and you're Tom Anastas and you're the athletic director, Mark Hollis, how do you go about promoting this CCHA, you know, this CCHA league and how do you go pro- promoting Michigan State University around campus when everyone's going to be parked on their couch watching Datsu coming back from Russia. Yeah, um, obviously it starts uh, at winning games. And until MSU can find consistent scoring up front and, you know, taking advantage of playing in their own barn here at Mon Ice Arena, um, I mean, that's the best thing they can do. I think a lot of people, you know, turn to the CCHA once the NHL is locked out because, you know, hockey's hockey and, you know, people love the sport and people want to watch it. So I think that, you know, a lot of the campus and a lot of the population around here, like, turned eyes towards the CCHA. And I guess we'll, we'll see and we'll see how it pans out once the Red Wings, you know, start their season on Saturday. Now, you think it's a good thing for all 48 games to be aired? Do you think this is, you know, hockey had some pretty good records coming up? They're, 
there was some thoughts that hockey was in the slumps two years ago. Last year, not too bad. I think it wasn't the most highly televised playoff ever. Mm-hmm. So uh, thoughts about you know this airtime, what that will do for the sport? Yeah, I think it definitely is going to help, especially you know with the lockout. That was the biggest thing this past year. You know, canceling more than half the season, and you know I think that it's good that they're going to be airing every game. I mean, it's especially you know not just the team, but the broadcast networks. I believe owe it to the fans. I mean, we've been waiting out for so long, you know, eager for the NHL and the NHLPA to come to a deal, and they finally have. So you know, what better than to televise every Red Wings hockey game, especially with, sure. you know, Ken Daniels and mm-hmm. Mickey Redman in the booth, you know, broadcasting those games, right. you know. Yeah, no, they'll definitely provide the games, they'll definitely provide the services that the fans want. Definitely the main point there. We'll jump now to some MSU Spartan football with all the NFL departures this this weekend and the past week before, two weeks. You know, we've seen Bell leave, we've seen Sims leave. We saw Golson basically get out in a huge defensive end draft. Now, we discussed it a little bit last week about uh, how that's going to affect the team. Obviously, it's going to hurt. Not many high hopes this year for Michigan State football, but let's get more into it out of popular demand and talk about who is going to fill in for Bell. Which running back? Which tight end? Is it going to be Paul Lang? Is it going to be Glicker? Is it going to be any of the Ohio guys that with their six seven six six frames on this team out of solid football programs in Ohio? Maybe those guys will step in a tight end and make a big call. How about Will Golson? Who's going to fill in for Big Will? Obviously, which I'm going to get to in about a couple minutes, there's an article about uh, some currently committed defensive end recruits to other schools that Michigan State's now trying to sway. The main proponent of that, you're going to you're probably going to start your first year. If not, oh, if you're that good, yeah. Now, David, let's start off with Le'Veon. Uh, who on this team is going to be the breaker? Who's going to break tackles? Be most elusive. I see you there with your head down, but you know what? There's got to be some sort of hope in this team. Am I right? Yeah, there definitely should be some hope in this team. Um, I don't know if it's possible, but, I mean, Nick Hell was the only other guy to get some looks in the backfield this past season. And I know uh, that's my question to you is if he can actually fill the spot. I mean, he obviously isn't a big back like Le'Veon Bell. He's, he's not the guy to, you know, run eye formation and run str- straight up the gut, you know, try to plow for three, four yards and break loose. I feel like he's a guy that's going to hit the outside, maybe on some pitches, maybe on some, you know, short screen passes, little swings. But honestly, I think the running back and quarterback positions are the two biggest spots this MSU team has to figure out. And if it's Nick Hill, you know, best of luck to him in the season. I mean, he got some looks under the belt of Le'Veon Bell. Um, hopefully he can take what he's learned from him and, you know, put it on the field and, you know, get some positive yards. I mean, Le'Veon Bell was the center of this offense last year, getting 30-plus, even 40-plus carries a game. But is that the type of running back Nick Hill is? Now, this is the scary thing for me, David. I'm looking at this team. I'm looking at their their roster. I'm looking at all six running backs they have right now, and one of them is a running back and wide receiver. Now, Le'Veon Bell is the tallest back, David. He was 6'2". Do you know how tall the next back is on this team? 5'8", 5'9"? Next tallest back is 5'11", and that's from Larry Caper, who's also leaving. He himself is leaving, too. Now, besides 6'2 and 5'11", guess how tall the next back is on this team? 5'9". Now, we went from 6'2", bruiser, up the middle... To a 5'9", even 5'8", Nick Hill, but 5'9", back, Nick Tompkins from Georgia. Freshman. Now, uh, is it just that just scares me within itself because, I mean, we have 5'9", 5'8", 190, 185. This is a spread kind of back. This is an outside runner. Yes, definitely. Uh, this isn't, you know, multi-threat, up the middle, elusiveness, shifty, agility, you know, strong agility kind of backs. Now, I'm scared. I was just as scared now as I was when Derek Nix remained on the team after his old off-the-court issues. Now, putting into perspective, and the number to call in, 517-432-3893. Again, 517-432-3893. Are you too scared for this running back core? Why or why not? Now, David, let me jump it over to you. Any hope in Nick Tompkins out of Georgia? 
any hope maybe steeping even lower to a true freshman? What's going to happen for this running back core? I mean, the options are definitely open, kind of like the quarterback position. Like you said, these aren't guys that are going to be busting up the gut. They're 5'8", five, 5'9", five, guys that are quick to the outside, and that's what MSU needs to utilize in this upcoming season. And I know we talked about this uh, last week with the incoming freshman quarterback, Damian Terry. Now, does that give us a better offensive look with a quarterback that can scramble and also being able to hand the ball off, or maybe even running the option, which we haven't seen right. from this MSU. I mean, we usually have pocket presence quarterbacks. We've seen it in Kirk Cousins, and you know, this past year with Maxwell, he's obviously not a runner. But do we bring in Damian Terry, like we were talking about last week? You know, get some different looks, maybe run the option, maybe hit the outside more often. Honestly, I think that's the only solution as of right now with, you know, the running back situation and to the question you set out to the callers. Yes, I'm extremely scared for this running back position. Le'Veon Bell, it's, he's a big back and he's got, and you got some right. big and, shoes to fill. And we already had no, we already have enough problems with receivers and quarterbacks. Now you're going to throw in no running back too? That was the, that was the reason why we even beat TCU if not making a bull. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was one hell of a game won by Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. Himself. And with, he was the difference maker in that game. With 30-plus carries once again, which he did consist- consistently right. throughout the year. And that's a spread defense. That's a 3-4 defense with fast backers. He, he fit the perfect knees. When we're playing Ohio State and Michigan, well, Michigan now with Devin Gardner may not be much of a spread anymore. But sure, they're going to have plenty of problems on the horizon. Now, let's jump it over to tight end. This position, David, I'm really not so worried about. And my reason being is... Before Deion Sims, tight ends out of Michigan State, not much, not many pro looks. Now, Deion Sims obviously added another dimension. When, yep. when receivers can catch the ball, you throw it to Sims over the middle. Now, with Sims gone, there's Paul Lang, there's the Ohio boys, there's Ge- there's Gleikert, uh, You know, who are you worried about? Are you not as worried about tight ends like me, or or do are you a little bit worried too? Yeah, and you know. You know, Sims is obviously a huge loss to this MSU team. In my own personal opinion, I thought Deion Sims was Maxwell's go-to last year with all the struggles of the wide receivers, you know, not making correct routes, overthrowing balls, missed catches. I think that the tight end position was definitely the go-to for Maxwell, and and it's and it's a, a huge thing when it comes to college football. They're guys that constantly, you know, have to be strong and blocking and also be able to, you know, run routes, make it down the field and, you know, help the offense move. And I think Andrew Gleikert is a guy that can, you know, fill that role of Deion Sims. I mean, he's, you know, just got out of his sophomore season, you know, saw a start in two games, even in the bowl game he started, um, you know, definitely had some looks in, you know, a handful of other games, got a couple of receptions in the Boise game. Um, I think this is a guy that can definitely fill the role, but not only him, but there are definitely other options in the tight end position for this MSU team. Right. Now, let's jump it over to defensive ends because we are running a little bit short on time. Only 17 minutes now left in the show. Defensive ends. Golson leaving. Next guy under him, Corey Freeman leaving. Senior out of Ohio. But we've seen Marcus Rush. We've seen Joel Heath. We've seen, uh, even for a second, even on special teams, we've seen Jeremy Gaynor a little bit too. Now, he obviously getting molded into a defensive end. He's got a lot of weight to put on. Not Definitely not ready now, trying to convert from linebacker. But, you know, Joel Heath and Marcus Rush, I think, David, they could maybe take some of the weight off and, and maybe produce. Or are you a little bit more worried about it more than I am? Oh, no, I'm, I don't think that the defensive line is one that State needs to worry about. Um, our defensive line is definitely the strong suit of this football team. That's my own opinion. Um, I mean, Marcus Rush is definitely the guy that's going to step up this this next year. Um, you know, he's been he's played in every game. He's played since he was a freshman. Um, he uh, he's he's the guy that you want. He's he's played with Golston. He knows this defense. He was a freshman and was All American freshman at that. Uh, he has the experience, knows the the defense, and I believe he's the one that's going to help lead this def this defensive squad for the MSU football team, as well as Max Bullock. Now, let me tell you a little bit about some of the, uh, you know, some of the incoming guys for this team. Now, with a big hole left by Golson, I think being, you know, 6'7", whatever it was, 280 or whatever, that's not going to be very easy to fill. Yeah, Joel yeah. Heath, he's 6'6", 260, around there, putting on a little bit more weight. 
a little, little bit more muscle. Sure, he might bring a little bit of the physical tools, but definitely not the speed. Now, we'll jump it over to the recruits, the recruiting side of it. MSU scouting Antonio Riles very hard. If you don't know who Antonio Riles is, he's a current Florida Gator recruit, three-star, number 20 in the whole nation at his position. MSU currently does not have a strong side DN commitment. Uh, Riles has the majority of SEC and ACC offers, including Alabama offering them. But this is a guy the Spartans feel pretty good about and that they're going after. They're trying to sway him over because of that. We just produced Will Golson, an animal, going to the NFL in a heavily defense ended class. You're going to play for MSU, but not only are you going to play, but you have the pro abilities and pro. You're going to have that opportunity if you come here. Now, getting Riles is definitely not easy. It was talked about today in the Lansing State Journal, but it's certainly, certainly a possibility, and it's certainly possible he will get some playing time his freshman year. Thoughts on Riles, David? Thoughts on, do you think we should maybe rely more on true freshmen all around this team? Or final thoughts on the whole topic? Yeah, I, I think that if Michigan State does bring him in, he's going to see a lot of playing time. As you said, he's getting recruited by SEC and ACC teams, getting recruited by Alabama, the national champions, for the last three out of four years. I mean, if you're getting looks from them, it shows that you have the talent to play in college football and even go farther into the NFL. And yes, I do feel that MSU could be a good suit for him. I mean, he's getting looks from big colleges. You know, anywhere he goes, he's going to have a lot on his shoulders. And I think if he comes to this MS, MSU football team, I think he's going to get a lot of looks, like you said. Absolutely. 517-432-3893. You could also tweet at 89FM Sports Rap. Getting into a couple more things now. We're going to switch it over to Spartan basketball because of time restraints. Started off with the close games. We saw Iowa, we saw Nebraska, we saw a lot of uneasy, inconsistent, just some bad plays sometimes, David. From freshmen to seniors, ugh, I, I don't want to get into it. Now, started off with their upcoming game against Ohio State. A very physical team that we saw how physical they were with Michigan. Talked about on the broadcast over there on, on that side, uh, you know, that that down south over, you know, in Columbus, that this is one of the most physical teams Michigan played all year. And I think the same could be said about that for Michigan State, like it was for Michigan. Now, obviously, Ohio State has little problems themselves. They have some problems, you know, consistent guard play from Kraft. Sometimes he commits some very poor turnovers. They have some, you know, big man problems and when it came over to getting Sutherland with his eligibility, that was an issue too. Now, how will this team fare against Ohio State, David? Are they going to defy the odds and show Michigan that, hey, this team isn't that great? Uh, I honestly think it will be one of you know Michigan State's biggest tasks of the season. Like you said, Ohio State is a physical team. We saw it against Michigan. Uh, Michigan's first real challenge of the season, you know, got down big, Early on in the game, managed to climb back, but Ohio State, you know, ended up pulling out the win. And I think if MSU can come in with a bunch of energy and, you know, set the tone here in East Lansing early, that we can pull away with a win. Now, you look at this Nebraska, the, the Nebraska game, you know, I feel like with this basketball team, we kind of stoop down to other teams' levels. Like, we have potential to be extremely good. We're, we've proven it at home. We're 11-0. But now we're getting into the nitty-gritty of the, our schedule. Upcoming, we have Ohio State. Then we have, Ohio, then we have Wisconsin, Indiana, Minnesota again, Michigan twice, Michigan three times, sorry, Ohio State again. It, it's going to be tough down this stretch. And if MSU can stay consistent, I think they have a good chance of producing wins out of this. Do I think they'll win all home games? No, because that's tough to do. Um, I mean, we saw in Nebraska with Gary Harris. I mean, when a guy goes 0 for 10 from the field, possibly one of your best shooters on the team, it's going to be tough to win games. And we saw that against Nebraska until he hit that three-pointer, you know, with a minute 49 left in the game. It kind of, like, turned the tables there. And I think consistency is the big thing with this team. And, yes, we've been seeing good play from the big guys down low and Payne, Dawson, and Knicks, who accompanied for 43 out of you know 66 points the last game. If they can keep that up and Gary Harris doesn't have a game like he did, we have a chance to beat this Ohio State Buckeye team. 
especially and, here in front sure, of the whole entire. Sure. And let's hope that comes true. Now, you think they will ultimately beat them? Of course, we'll have the chance. Final scores, thoughts, uh, any predictions thus far, David? Uh, I say we lose by five. Oh, lose by five. So you're putting them under. The I Spartans think the, are under. I okay. think this will be the first loss at home for the Spartans at, right. at the Breslin Center. Now, if you think otherwise, we do have open lines today, 517-432-3893. Jumped out at Brandon Dawson. We saw, we saw that scare. We saw Nixon Payne play very well. First of all, for Dawson, how much of an impact would that be if he actually did get hurt? Now from Nixon Payne, do they win if they stay consistent? We talked a little bit about it last week, but ultimately... They won when they didn't play well, but certain players stepped up. Now, is that a theme for this team? It's definitely a theme that you do not want to have. Right. No, so, so do they need new guys every single game to step up for Nixon Payne? You know, or, or maybe for Appling? So is, does there have to be someone who, who, who adds more than they did the last game for them to win? Um, no. I think it needs to be, you know, the front five are obviously the guys that Izzo chooses that has their best option to start the game, you know, get a good, comfortable lead, if which we really haven't had all season. I, I, it comes down to consistency, like we said, like with the players. I mean, is if people are on their game, you know, get good offensive rebounds, defensive rebounds, create turnovers, you know, turnovers, you know, points off fast breaks, that's what's going to win you games. But when... You're inconsistent, and you can't, you know, your top scorer isn't the same person every game. That's where you worry, you know, who's really stepping up for this MSU basketball team. Absolutely. Now, especially with stepping up for this team, let's talk with Brandon Kearney. You know, we talked about last week, how big a loss is it? Well, we've seen it for a week now. How big is it, David? I mean, it looks like they're getting along just fine without him. Is it just me? Or do we? Or can we finally move on from the Brandon Kearney issue? Yeah, I definitely think we can move on. I mean, we've seen two straight wins. They might not have been the prettiest things, but I mean, a W is a W. Absolutely. Now, with nine minutes left left in the show, we're going to jump to some NFL playoff action. We've been catching up a lot on that, David and I. Uh, Ray Lewis. Just want to focus a lot on him for a minute or two. Yeah. Saw the emotional interview after the game. Did you catch that, David? The emotional I interview. Did. No, I saw him on the. I saw him on the field crying, but I did not catch the interview. Yeah, they aired it on SportsCenter. He he said, said a lot about this team, and you know this was a really emotional win for this guy. Uh, tearing up, couldn't really speak on the camera. Uh, great to see. Uh, how big was this for him? You know, after he leaves. I mean, this is his legacy. If he can win a Super Bowl, you know that defines him as probably the best. You know, best of all time. Yeah, he. Uh, you know. Every game from here on out, whether he wins or loses, is definitely going to be emotional. Uh, Ray Lewis, you know, the backbone of this Ravens defense, you know, he's done a lot for this franchise. You know, he's the guy you want in the locker room. Very inspirational. He's the guy that, you know, does the pregame speech in the huddles. He's one of the last guys that comes out Mm -hmm. of the tunnels. He's the, you know, first guy to practice, last one to leaves kind of dude. And honestly, it, it's going to be a huge blow for the NFL to see a guy like him, you know, retire after this year. And for him to go out with a Super Bowl, I mean, what better way to, you know, end your career? And speaking out with the Super Bowl, is he your prediction? Is that your prediction, David, for Super Bowl? Super I, Bowl I, MVP? I do. Even? We can get I do have here? the Harbaugh brothers going off in the Super Bowl. Have the and 40, that's some big chatter right now. The if, 40, if those Harbaugh brothers face, Jim Schwartz will throw a fit. You know, I don't think Jim Schwartz wants to see a Harbaugh. In any other position for the next five years. Yeah. Not ever. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> but I, I honestly think they both have teams, both have good enough teams. I've, obviously, the last four, they're both, all four teams that are in these championship games are good. There's there's no doubt. And it's going to come down to the last play. And I, my prediction is 31-28 for the Ravens to take over the Patriots. Um, it's going to be tough because even without Gronkowski, you know, the New England Patriots were able to throw up 41 points against, right. the, you know, a good Houston and, and Texans is that, team. You still, you still have them in the Super Bowl after the Gronkowski injury. I mean, that's a big, a big piece of what many people thought would be the huge matchup for Patriots next game. Yeah. And I'd, you know, it's a huge blow for their offense. Obviously, Gronkowski's had a phenomenal season, you know, getting a lot of touches and touchdowns as well. But um, I have the Ravens going past the Patriots. I mean, I'm really pulling for Ray Lewis to make it to the Super Bowl and have the opportunity to actually play for it. it it's going to be devastating if he loses in this championship game. 
But um, I'm really pulling for the Baltimore Ravens to make it to the Super Bowl. Absolutely. Now, of course, with our predictions, show ending in about five minutes, we're going to jump to our inconsistent Pistons. Uh, streaky, uh, dropping one closer one to Utah. Uh, team makeup. We've seen it with Bynum stepping up a lot of games. We've seen it with Knight some games. Each each game, it seems that there's a new guy, kind of like Michigan State in the way that you don't really know who's going to come to the table with the full performance each game. I'd say besides you know the whole guard and forward situation, I'd say Tayshon's pretty consistent when it comes to you know putting up ten to twenty a game, you know solid boards, not many turnovers, things of that, things of that nature. Now, yeah, and he has been throughout his career as a Piston. Right now, do you think it will stay the way it is? What are your thoughts on on who is there right now and how it will you know continue throughout the year? Yeah, I, I mean, definitely, like you said, with Tayshaun Prince, he's obviously the veteran of this team, knows what's going on in Detroit. But, uh, you know, Brandon Knight, a young guy that we acquired, as well as Andre Drummond. I mean, I think these are the guys that are going to be your key players throughout the next years. Yes, they're young. They're going to they're gonna learn, obviously, from the veteran players on this team. But I think those are the ones that you got to play more because the more time they see, I think the better they will get. Oh, absolutely. And even getting better over time. I mean, let's talk about maybe even the the makeup of this team when it comes to trades. Trade deadline, you know, coming out. They've got a little bit of time. Now, do you make any moves after the Maggette trade this offseason? This is something that a lot of, not many people are talking about is is how this team is going to evolve, you know, throughout the season. And, and even you know, what about f- through the last three minutes of the show, you know, <laughs> who knows what will happen. Yeah, um, I don't think that the Pistons are going to act on a trade unless someone reaches out to them. Obviously, they're not going to be a playoff contender, so I really don't think those, you know, higher-end teams are going to be looking, you know, to acquire anyone from, you know, the Detroit Pistons. But if they do, I think if the Detroit Pistons do trade, it's going to be, you know, with the lower half of the league. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I I don't see them making any big moves to get any you know elite players. Right, and I think they're pretty comfortable. I think they know they're probably within the eight to six you know six spot range, you know, probably maximum at that at best. Uh, you know, and here's the other thing. I mean, do you necessarily want that mentality for that team? Do you want to go into a season and say, hey, we're acquiring McGee for the future, like we got rid of Chauncey? You know, we're trying to get the cap space. We messed up maybe with Gordon and Charlie V. Sure, they could admit that. But do you like that mentality going in, David? I mean, it's definitely a different mentality to take. Um, I think the the Pistons are, you know, set with their lineup or at least set with their young guys up front. I think there's a couple, you know, older guys or, you know, I mean, the younger guys, Chris Middleton and King Link, Kim English that we got this past year, they really haven't, you know, been in the spotlight yet in the Detroit Pistons uniform. I think they'll eventually get there, but I think the Pistons are still in that rebuilding process and, you know, figuring out who they truly who they truly need in their front lineup to win games. Absolutely. Now, it's time for our favorite segment of the week, and it all starts with something like this. of the week. On the Spartan Sports Chat, so we've got a goon maybe two this week, and it all starts with Big Ten Commissioner Jim Delaney. And this comes with the Big Ten division names. Jim Delaney coming out to media. This is reporting from Brett McMurphy from ESPN. This is about Delaney changing the legends and leader names out of the Big Ten Conference. And he says something like this. It's on the table with Maryland and Rutgers joining. He says that the, 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 the leagues must decide the divisions that they'll be in. Any current teams change, but this is also what he said. He said, quote, I don't take umbrage to negative reaction. I don't necessarily change when I hear it. I think, on the other hand, we said we would test market it, and we have for a couple of years, end quote. Now, he means test marketing the the names and the whole division makeup. Now, I don't know about you. I think that's kind of a goon because, first of all, if you make a major change like that, are you going to change the NBA to, you know, NBAA and see how it works for a couple of years. I mean, with lockouts, that's temporary. That's temporarily. That's not a long-term thing. Now, I think this is a completely different issue, and 
I think if you name something, you have to be pretty comfortable with it. I don't think there's any time for test runs and confusion, and, and I don't think the people want to hear it either. Yeah, and I want to pull another part out of this article that we're looking at is he said, when deciding on division names in December 2010, Delaney said the Big Ten didn't have great options. So if you don't have great options, why would you go forth on basically test running leaders and legends? If you're not set, if you don't, it also says we we didn't have much as we didn't like it as much as it could have been. It's not as much as we would have liked. So if it's not as much as you would have liked, then why did you do it? And that's what I truly think that makes Jim Delaney the main goon this week. <laughs> Very good. Now we'll save the other goon for next week. I was going to say it this week, but I think it's better off if we leave him for the surprise next. That's going to do it from the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact 89 FM. From David DeFever to my left and Alex Sharg right here on the main mic. We'll see you next week, next Monday on Impact 89 FM. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89 FM.